On today's episode, I have the pleasure of sitting down with John Fosco. He is an entrepreneur and businessman who has started plenty of different ventures in his young career. He really got his name on the map by starting one of the first D2C MMA websites where he was able to sell MMA gear and then opened a physical location as well to allow people to train with a lot of the MMA type training techniques. From there, he took his MMA experience in the market and decided to create his own marketing agency, which allowed a lot of the major brands to partner with the UFC directly, as well as fighters during some of the biggest fights on the planet. From there, he left and started his own supplement company, uh, co-founded with Corey Gregory, who was an earlier guest of the podcast. And that is called MaxEffortMuscle.com. He also is a co-founder of CBD Social, which is a platform and physical location that is attempting to change the way we all interact with CBD by really creating a household brand. He's also the co-founder of Business and Biceps, which as of today sits as the number nine entrepreneurship podcast of all time. Please give it up for John Fosco. Thanks for coming on. Really appreciate it, John. Hey, hey man, I, I, I appreciate you having me. Have uh, I, I would I'll do a little intro, but then definitely jump in. So, sure. Um, I tried to do some some research on you, and definitely found you've done a lot of a lot of different stuff. So, sure. yeah. uh, John, you know, started off in the business slash entrepreneurship game. I saw when you were like nineteen, I think, is when you said you first started. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. And um, he's done a lot of different things from uh, starting an online MMA company to then actually working with the UFC and doing a lot of marketing with them, uh, bouncing over and, and worked a lot with Muscle Farm back in the day, and then has even started his own uh, supplement brand with Corey Gregory, who we've had on the podcast. Um, and now has also started something called CBD social, which I'd love to talk about a little more. And, um, yeah, and I, you're from Chicago. So when I had heard that on your guys's podcast, business and biceps, I was pumped to talk to you. 100% man. Uh, yeah, from, uh, Chicago, Chicagoland area grew up in, uh, Oak Brook, uh, went to the Downers Groves, uh, school systems, but yeah, it's been, uh, it's been a journey, uh, never went to college, but, um, yeah, I do hail from the Chicago land area. That's, that's for sure. awesome. I'm in Elmhurst now. So right down oh, the road. So, very nice. Yeah. York, York. Yeah. We used to beat you guys, man. We used to beat you guys. <laughs> Too funny. Yeah. No, that's awesome. Um, so I love to you just kick it off with, you know, on this podcast, I talk a lot about investing and really not just investing, but anything finance related. And I thought with you get coming on, it'd be awesome to talk a little bit more about starting businesses and your experience with, you know, good, bad, and the ugly of, of being an entrepreneur. Um, and I, obviously I know from your podcast, you also are a big investor. So there's lots of things I love to jump into. But the first thing I kind of wanted to ask was, um, You've started a lot of businesses, and it seems like you've started a lot of different types of businesses. Do you have any suggestions to people on what's like step number one? When you go to like think about your next venture, like how do you go from zero to one? What's like the first thing you really try to do? So I, I don't think about my next venture. Uh, I, I think a crucial part 
of going from zero to one is uh, identifying an opportunity that one connects with who you are and what you're interested in. And two, when you kind of model it out, you could see how it makes fiscal sense. So I think a lot of people want to quote unquote, start a business. So they, they look right. They, they, right. they, they look for that thing to start. I can say, man, I've, I've started, you know, over 10 and I never was looking to do that. Opportunities presented themselves. Um, I modeled them out to figure out if there was actually money there. So, you know, so my opportunity cost, you know, could be repaid. And from that point, you know, you got to let your, your, your vision, uh, drive you. But for, for those people just seeking, uh, Oh, I don't know what I want to do. I don't, dude, you can't force it. You can't force it. It has to be something that you see, you identify. And then the drive is like fucking insane. Like nobody has to tell you anything. No one has to, you don't, uh, kind of know if you okay. want to do it, sure. you want to do it. Yeah. Do you, do you have to, at the same time, kind of just block out the noise from people telling you either it's oh. a bad idea or, yeah, okay. You know, yeah. everybody, okay, if you do start a business, if it's a business that you're stoked on or, or whatever, everybody is going to tell you, oh, my God, it's so risky. Because guess what? It is fucking risky. Sure. That's where on the show? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yes, go ahead. All right. Okay, so... <laughs> So, uh, so, so it is, it is risky. It is, they're right. They're right. But that yeah. doesn't, that shouldn't slow you down. If you have done what I like to call your like unemotional homework on it, where you have looked at it and you have figured out how to make money, where the, like how big the margins are and how to execute on it. Like everybody is going to tell you, beware, be careful, beware, be careful. Yeah. Because over 90% of small businesses fail. They're, they're right. But if you have it inside of you and you understand what you're getting into and you put the emotion aside of like the fantasy of being the business owner guy and, and you're ready to rock, do fuck what everyone else says. No one will ever understand what you want. Period. Sure. Yeah. Period. Right. You could do it five times. They're not, they're not, they're never going to get it. So don't look for others approval. Do your own research, do your own homework and come to your own conclusions. Right. Okay. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Have you, um, have you seen, I guess, through all the different ventures you've done has, and I've heard this from a couple of entrepreneurship podcasts, and I love the question. Do you, do you feel like, um, for example, you know, when you did the marketing business with the UFC, um, when you joined and helped with marketing at uh, Muscle Farm, and then even starting Max Effort, do you, do you guys, did you feel like you were finding gaps in the market on all those business ventures? Do you feel like some of it was, you know, timing and you figured out, you know, a need at the right time? That's exactly, you're exactly right. Um, it, it was gaps in the marketplace that um, interested me. And, and then I did what I said earlier. I kind of modeled them out to figure out if there was money there. So if I took all my focus, my energy, my passion and put it into these gaps, can I be repaid or can I build something uh, uh, that's substantial? And, and the answer was absolutely yes. So um, with, you know, the marketing and the muscle farm. So I didn't, I never worked for muscle farm. I actually built um, one of the biggest um, sports marketing agencies 
in, in the UFC. And basically what we did is we facilitated companies like Muscle Farm. Um, we facilitated their spending because they did not know what uh, certain things cost when you do uh, ad buys in the UFC or you sponsor specific fighters. So they would funnel all their money through my company and they, were, they would say, here's the deliverables. We want 80 fighters over the course of a year. We want to be on the ring. We want to be on, on the uh, canvas and all this stuff. And, and I did that for, you know, not only Muscle Farm, but probably 30 other clients. And then from that, because all the athletes understood that the money was coming through my business. Um, the athletes wanted to be managed by my business because they knew they would get high sponsorship yields. So that was that because I found a gap in the marketplace because when I went in, there was no such thing as uh, a UFC sponsorship tax. So sponsors could come in. Um, it doesn't matter if it was a call of duty. Or, um, or a big movie, and they could spend as much as they want on marketing, and they did not have to pay the UFC a dollar. So for me, I don't have to piece off the UFC, and there's enormous margins because they have no clue what things cost, and I have all these relationships. Right. So yeah, it, it, it was major timing. I exited when I exited because not only did the UFC implement a tax, that was into the six figures or more, but they, but they kept going higher and higher. So I went in there, capitalized on that time frame for about four to five years. And then when, when they tightened the screws on it and made it very difficult, I, you know, chose to exit and, you know, get compensated for uh, what I did. Awesome. That's fantastic. How did you even get involved with the UFC? That seems like an uphill battle alone, just trying to get in with them. Yeah, so it was all through, uh, I mean, it, it was all through like my passion for MMA. So I used to, I used to train. And then from training, I decided, because I mean, shit, we're talking 2004, 2005. Um, I decided that, you know what, there, this sport is legit. Like this could be the next big fucking thing. And I love it. So yeah, what I sure. did is I opened <clears throat> up an online retailer. We had success really fast. So that I then parlayed that into a physical retail location. And then I parlayed that into another physical retail location that had an MMA gym inside of it. So now we had three prongs. We had online, we had straight retail, and then we had, uh, you know, an MMA training studio. So we had enough money to start sponsoring fighters in the UFC with MMA stop. And when you start sponsoring fighters in the UFC, obviously you build relationships with fighters, you build relationships with fighters and you treat them well, you know, uh, they start to respect you. And from there, uh, a handful of fighters started saying, Hey man, like you're a straight dude, you know, would you manage me? And this was very early oh, wow. on. You didn't need a law degree. You didn't need anything. They just needed somebody because these dudes are straight fighters back in the day. Right. They still obviously are. They needed somebody they could trust that, that knew their way around uh, the business world. So that's how I got in. And then with the fighters, when I would negotiate contracts, obviously I'd have to do that with the UFC. And um, that's, that's kind of how it went. Gotcha. That's awesome. That's so cool. I yeah. think it's interesting. You were even back then you capitalized on being an e-commerce business. That's kind of like what a lot of my background's in. Sure. And currently I work for a company called RX bar. It's like protein bars. I don't know if you've oh, okay. Absolutely. That. I'm very, yeah. very familiar. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I've been there since 2017, like right when we sold to Kellogg, it was a big exit we had. Sure. Um, and so I've kind of been there from 2017 now through, you know, halfway through 2020 and seeing that business evolve so much And it. When I was talking to Corey, it kind of reminded me too, uh, that I wanted to ask you, 
we went from heavy e-commerce, like we got really popular by going direct to consumer to a lot of the CrossFit gyms. We kind of did the CrossFit realm. That's where we like really started. And we were really successful online. And then it's interesting from there to see like the challenges that come with selling to retail locations, like vitamin shops, the GNCs, all of those. And then into obviously like grocery and Costco. Right. So I've, I've thought it's so interesting that with max effort, you guys are doing just D to C and I would love to know right. a little bit more like why and I've seen the pros and cons from our X bar, but I'd be curious to hear from you guys, a supplement perspective. Sure. So at the end of the day, um, you know, there's all, there's two ways, I think, fundamentally to look at business, right? It's you get in business to grow, 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 scale, 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 and push, 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 push. That's great. And, and, and many people could build, you know, nine figure, 10 figure, 11 figure companies that way. But there's another way to do it. Um, if, if, you're, if your lifestyle uh, dictates or if your personality dictates, you can actually go into business and build slowly but surely relationships with consumers, not straddle yourself with debt, not be a quote unquote top line guy who's always borrowing to push the top line higher, but doesn't have any bottom line profit to take home and put in his pocket. So when we look at max effort muscle and we look at going into retail, okay, so we gotta, we have to uh, pay for shelf space. We have to give them tens of thousands of dollars worth of product and we're, we're a new brand in there. And if we sell, if we sell, we're, we're making one third of what we make on a direct sale. So if I make $5 million direct, or if I make 15 million, uh, you know, through a partner like GNC or vitamin shop, I am making so much more money on that 5 million. So I'm not into being a CEO rock star, this and that those guys go and they borrow money. And, 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 and again, I'm not blaming them. I'm into taking money home, putting it in my pocket, always, always supporting the business with what it needs to grow. Mm -hmm. But I like to do things slowly, but surely. And I've had a history in my career of putting money in my pocket. And yeah. um, that's how I like to do business. But I, 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 completely understand the other route. That's just not my style. Yeah, no, that totally makes sense. Is that, um, have you felt like it's been successful thus far? Cause you guys have been doing it for a little while now and it seems like things are, you know, up and up at max effort every time I hear about you guys talking. Yeah. So we have never, uh, had a down year. Um, right now we're probably with this whole pandemic thing, uh, whether it's the lack of availability in grocery or people aren't comfortable going to grocery or this or that, um, we are as hot as we've ever been. That's awesome. So uh, Max Effort has been a astounding uh, success. If someone looked at our balance sheet, they'd want to take us public 100%. <laughs> That's awesome. I have, I have no interest though. <laughs> so, yeah. So your, your plan is basically you guys are just going to hold on to it and this will be a kind of a, a cash flow business for you guys. Sounds like. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things when you, you build a business that has a good customer base that, that likes your product and you continue to uh, not only keep the products that they love, but evolve and, and, and push the limits of those products. Um, you, yeah, you have something that's reoccurring. I mean, it's, it's eerie, right? So anyone who knows Max Effort, we, we, 
we give a lot to our customers through deals uh, because we can afford to, right? Because we're not paying the GNC or the vitamin shop, so we have bigger margins. Right. We can almost predict to the thousand how much money we're going to make when we do a certain deal. And that's because our customer base is so cauterized. It's so tight and um, they're so loyal. So it's like when you have a business like that, there's no, there's, there's no need to change it up. I understand accelerating and putting your foot on the gas to, to try to grow it. But at the end of the day, we don't need to incur debt because we're extremely healthy. Everyone's winning. Everyone's making money. The business is growing and the customers love the product. That's awesome. Yeah, it seems like you guys have a really uh, a, like a cult following, which is awesome to see, especially in the supplement industry. I've, you know, I've been I've been lifting weights and taking supplements for since really since college in like 2010, and it's you guys are one of the few brands that I feel like I've ever followed that um, doesn't feel just like a brand on a shelf at GNC. If that makes sense, you guys actually are just interacting and doing so much more through your website that I think all these other brands are super far behind on. Yeah, you know, I mean, uh, if you look at any industry, the supplement industry, obviously, we'll use that as an example. You know, everybody wants to put out a guy who looks like he's 290 pounds ripped to the bone or a chip, all these unattainable physiques unless you you use drugs, right? And they say, you take this product, you look like this. I think the consumer has gotten a little bit smarter. You know what I'm saying? Like, And I don't know if it's as cool as it used to be to walk around at fucking whatever height you are and weigh 290 pounds and be clinically obese, regardless of the amount of muscle you have. So we basically said, okay, not only do we want to represent something differently, but we need to identify differently. That's why our brand doesn't look like a normal supplement brand. We don't market like a normal supplement brand and our products um, are different. So we really wanted to say to the industry and, and say to our customer base, we're different, man. We don't use drugs and we, we, we're all about supporting uh, fitness in, in, in almost a fun way. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely seems that way. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you guys uh, and you specifically through all your different, you know, business ventures, is, is there anything to be said about, you know, like bootstrapping versus, you know, taking on money? I know like in the few small companies I've worked with and worked for, it seems like, bootstrapping has its own pros and cons, but I'd be curious through all the things you've done. Have you ever taken money? Have you, have you always done it just bootstrapped or, you know, have you done a lot of your businesses? So, uh, I've always, I've always bootstrapped it, but I mean, I've, I've, I've sold off parts of my companies as I own them. So it wasn't like a money raise. It was like uh, a client that I worked with, or someone I knew identifying what was going on and saying, Hey, I want in. So I would just sell an equity stake. It wasn't like a raise to raise money. Right, Essentially, right, it, right. it was, it was selling equity and something that pe- other people identified as I want to be a part of that. So I, th- I hear, I think the benefit of bootstrapping is this is just like what, how people view the government with money. If you are using fundamentally, if you are using somebody else's money, you do not, you do not value it like, like it's your own because it did not come out of your checking account. You did not work for it. So you are not going to be a steward of that money like if it came out of your account. Right. So therein lies the office that looks great, the 14 employees that you can't afford because somebody wrote you a check that's not yours. And if it fails, psychologically, whether it be conscious or unconscious, 
you don't feel like, like you're losing. You feel like, oh, this is what I should do. So when you bootstrap it, man, it's like, okay, this is my time. I have to fucking make money. The only way I can make money is if the business makes money. Like you, you get to profitability so much faster. And once you bootstrap it to profitability, at that point, you could look at bringing in money because you understand the systems and how to make money and how to scale and this and that. But um, I don't recommend anybody just goes in and uh, raises money without bootstrapping it at least once or twice because you need to feel every level of pressure to, I believe, be a good operator. Yeah, that makes sense. So really having like that skin in the game, they say. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, because I think um, I feel like a lot of people that you know start businesses and take on money right away. You also lose control of you know the the basically the direction the company can go in, which I think is is, is, you know detrimental early on. That's a fact. That's super interesting. Um, I think the from another business perspective. So I've followed you for you and Corey for a while on business and in biceps. It's kind of how I got to you know listen to a lot of your guys' conversations around business and investing. And uh, just recently heard this week that you guys are calling it quits on the show. So I just wanted to you know ask if you know if, are you guys going in a new direction? Are you you have new ideas that you want to run with? I was just curious as I heard that. Yeah. So what's interesting about that show is um, man, that show was never planned. Uh, it just happened. And obviously, oh, really? so you guys never, it wasn't like you guys mapped that all out and planned. No, that. Oh, no, that's crazy. We were just starting uh, a, a business once I sold out of uh, my company VFD and he sold out of muscle farm and we just started talking and we're like, Hey, let's record these conversations. <laughs> that's, that, that, that's how that started. And then obviously uh, Maurice Claret was a third who is a great, great addition to that podcast you know, Maurice had business interests that took him in a different direction. And now with me and Corey, you know, when time goes by and you have so many interests, um, I, I, I think people's schedules and what they're interested in doing and how they're interested in doing it, it just, it just changes. And I think, um, you know, because we are partners in Max Effort Muscle, you have to, I think you have to uh, always like respect the potential uh, growth of another person if they're if like listen the last thing i want to do is sit on a podcast with someone who doesn't want to be there right sure. or, yeah. or, or 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 they could say the same about me right, right. so i understand if someone doesn't want to be on a podcast with me if i don't want to be there so it's all respect but you know uh think things change and and we move on. Um, and, and that's kind of what we're doing with the business and biceps. But I, I, I got to tell you, man, the, uh, the amount of messages that I've been getting just from people that like chose to tell a story about how uh, the show affected them. It's, it's starting to push me back towards, you know, the microphone because you never know that stuff until people choose to open up. Right. And then so many people since we said it's over, have chose to open up and, 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 um, you know, that, that, that affects me. So. Yeah, I bet, man. Um, it, it was interesting to me. I mean, I, I probably have listened to you guys for close to a year now consistently. And, uh, when I saw that episode pop up, I was like, Oh, it's supposed to be a joke. You know what I mean? Like they're not quitting. Right. They, they, you know, they're, they're doing all this stuff. 
Um, but no, I would have to agree, man. You guys put out some great content. You guys are open and honest and Appreciate um, I'm you. sure you guys will find, you know, awesome things to do. But I think Absolutely. the next thing I was going to ask you was, uh, you know, I, I haven't been able to find a ton of information on it, but I'm interested in the space as well. So I wanted to ask you was CBD social, which is like your newest venture. Sure. Just if you could kind of walk through just like how you came about the idea and really what the, like the goal of that business is. Sure. So, uh, um, we were dealing with uh, the thought of bringing it in um, to max effort muscle. Uh, and we started kind of talking to people who had farms that were extracting this stuff. And this was a couple of years back. And I'm somebody that um, I used to have an opioid issue in the past and I have some anxiety and I took this stuff and I was like, fuck man, like this kills my anxiety. Like fuck clonopin, like which I get prescribed. Like this stuff kills my anxiety. And then you just do more and more research on it and people are, are using it for pain. And then we just started studying all the different applications and we're like, okay, this is, just like, um, you know, I feel timing, right, was part of what we talked about with the UFC, yeah. is the time to make a move in this space because three things, pain, anxiety, sleep. Right. I, everybody almost suffers from one of those things. Sure, definitely. And, and CBD, I think people are tired of being lied to by doctors and just being prescribed things that they cannot get off. Obviously we have the opioid epidemic. People are struggling with, you know, benzos, which are given for anxiety. And just, I think people are more aware now, dude, just because a doctor writes a script doesn't mean it's safe. And so when you find something that's actually natural, that benefits you, it's pretty, it's pretty amazing. So um, we went out, we acquired uh, a piece of a farm in Oregon where we felt the best, uh, the best hemp was from a potency standpoint. And um, we, we have full processing capabilities. And we, again, just like Max, are direct to consumer. So we're completely oh, okay. vertically integrated. Yeah, as I say, you're like completely vertically integrated. Completely, which makes us different. And the model we've taken on because we're vertically integrated and because we um, got a prime piece of real estate on King Street in Charleston, South Carolina, which is a tourist hub and also has a, you know five colleges and, and, and it's just a large economy. Um, we're like, okay, we, we need to bring a different style of CBD to people because CBD is very sterile. It's very sterile. Oh, take this. And we're like, why can't we implement almost like a bakery model? You know what I'm saying? From, yeah. from, a, from flavor profiles to different applications. And, and why can't we make it uh, smaller batches more often? So things are fresh and they, t yeah. I mean, any, anything you ingest, why have it taste like shit when it doesn't have to? You know sure. what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. And if we keep the synthetic crap out of it and we find ways just again, just like supplements to make things taste better, make the applications more efficient, this would be a differentiator in this industry. So when you look at CBD brands, 
they're very sterile. They look like something that, you know, probably would come from a uh, doctor's office or the, or the pharmacy. You look at our brand, it's very uh, fun. It's very colorful. And to me, that's what it's all about because CBD does help people socialize and it does help people just kind of, there's so many people who have like untreated anxiety and all this stuff. It, it helps people. So it doesn't need to be a sterile looking, like here's your prescription type deal. So yeah, what we work on is, is stuff that is obviously extremely potent. All of our hemp is West coast hemp. All of our, uh, all, all of our blends come from West coast hemp and, and um, our flavor profiles are second to none. That's awesome. I didn't realize yeah. you guys were, I guess I didn't realize all those different components of CBD social. So do you guys oh. have like a website too? And so you're D2C that way oh, or is it? 100%. Yeah. 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 Okay. So, the, so the website's been growing like, I don't know, probably 50% month over month. Oh, yeah. damn. Okay. Wow. Holy smokes. I had no idea. That's awesome. Yeah. Do you guys um, plan on opening more lo- physical locations? Or are you guys just using that as like a hub to kind of spread the word? So, you know, what's cool is like, um, we have a really uh, interesting location down here where our revenue producing area is about 400 square feet, our non-revenue producing area is about 1000 square feet. So we have this this lounge with which I'm in now, because where we're at is, is so community based. So we do things like, you know, like, live music here art we get the community involved that way and that way we we also educate as well so when you talk about a second location um we were about two or three days away from uh securing a second location before covid hit so shit yeah yeah so so it's one of those things that um the answer is yes okay timing again that's good good timing right again Great timing, yeah. Because then you then you're writing that that rent check, and nobody nobody could come in. But again, that's why you have to have a great online component because nothing can stop online business. Yeah, I was gonna say that's kind of been a huge learning lesson for me. I've always I've worked at uh, Walmart.com, and then really have like led the transition at RX Bar with e-commerce. And so I resonate with a lot of the things you guys are doing. Is it's just like that is going to be a leader for a long time, in my opinion. And I think it's a, it's a space that's not going away anytime soon. And it's growing. Um, and so, yeah, when you kind of just hit my next question, I was curious on, you, you have a lot of different business ventures. I know you're an investor. How have you navigated and try to made it through COVID? Has, how much has that impacted your businesses? And you know, what are some things you've been trying to do? So, my, you know, this is, everybody's different, right? We all think differently, but my, my take on things like that are, okay, this is what's happening. I can't change it. So I'm not going to even pretend like it fucking affects me because I have, I have, I have to deal with it. I have responsibilities. The, the, these businesses have to keep running. So it's not like, oh shit, COVID. It, it's immediate solution mode. So it's how is this world and how is the consumer going to change their behavior during this time. So, you know, I will talk about the, the two businesses that we've discussed, CB Social and uh, Max Effort Muscle. Number one, a lot of the time that people uh, had during quarantine or whatever you want to call it, they were working out. Okay. Mm-hmm. But they couldn't go to GNC vitamin shop. So all those people who, who consistently go there, now we have a greater sales channel because they're locked out of what they're doing. So we really pushed, we pushed very hard to capture those people through different online initiatives. And then with CBD, 
what happens when there's recession on the rise and all this stuff? People go to things that make them feel better. CBD right. makes you feel better. So once again, we, oh, we, you know, the door that normally brings in a shit ton of money is locked. Well, it's locked. Game over. Not thinking about it anymore. What do we need to do online to get the word out so we can soothe people's mind, help them relax and curb the anxiety? You know, we, we got to up our game. So, yeah, I mean, COVID has, has, it, has it hit us? Yeah, it's hit our door here because we do have a lot of retail income that walks through the door. But we pivoted very fast. Um, we have wholesale accounts uh, here as well. Okay. And, and um, it, I mean, we're fucking healthy. You yeah, know? that's and, great. And I'm watching businesses all around me, you know, because we're in a very high rent district, you know, fall to the wayside and, 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 and we're healthy. It's because we're diversified, like you were talking about. It's because we can go wholesale. It's because we can sell online. It's because you can come through the door. It's because we will deliver to you. You have to diversify in times that just are like fucked up, right? Like COVID right. fucked up. So you, you have to be ready to change at a moment's notice and, and stop complaining about it, you know? Yeah, it seems like you're a very um, solutions-minded person, which I'm sure that's helped you just through entrepreneurship, your different ventures. You, it seems like you don't, you don't uh, sit and complain about the problems. You're looking for solutions, which it seems like. Well, think, think about anybody who com- sits and complains about a problem. Eventually, they're, go- they're, they're going to have to get to a solution. So if they want to spend two weeks complaining about a problem, those are two weeks that they could have, as opposed to complaining about a problem, work towards a solution. So all they're doing is they're wasting their time. Time has a cost, i.e. they're wasting their money. So what the fuck are you doing outside of being a pussy? Right. You know what I'm like, said, man. Like, like, I don't want you on my team. You're a fucking pussy. Get out of here. Right, right. That doesn't help. For sure. Oh, 100%. Have you, yeah. um, how has this time affected to switch to a kind of another realm uh, investing are you i don't know what your like strategies sure. are what you're yeah. really into but has, has all of this changed any of that or have you yeah, of course through it? of course um so you know as, as it relates to the market i think you have to uh be agile as fuck right now because uh the the market was flooded with liquidity and um you know that's i believe a big big reason why the the market has has ran up after getting beat down so when you see things that are not normal, if you've been in the market for, for some time, you know that you know, the Dow doesn't swing 1,800 points or even 700 points uh, for that matter. So when you see these swings, swings is the street opening up gaps for you to trade on. That, that, that's what it is. So you know, we'll just take the most generic things I was talking about this morning. Like yesterday, the, the market got, got destroyed because COVID might be back. Well, today, it's, it's, it's up. The airlines and the cruise lines, that's where speculators are throwing their cash. Got beat the fuck up yesterday. They're way up today. So in a time like this, I think if you have the time, if you have the time, I think you need to get in and get out of things. Sure, you, you have your longs, right? You have sure. your longs that are going to be, in your mind, strong uh, with uncertainty, like uncertainty doesn't matter. These are strong stocks you don't mess with. But if, if you are an active investor, I think you have to be agile right now. You have to move in and out of positions. Do you, um, how do you structure a lot of your investing? Do you kind of, to your point, do you have a balance between long investments and companies you're bullish on long-term? And then are you kind of day trading and getting into the weeds like daily, weekly? Um, so I, I, do I have a strategy 
know. When I see something that I uh, have, have taken enough time to fully understand, or I believe at least that I fully understand it, and I see it from all angles, I always like to run worst case scenarios on it. Um, if I see that, I'll, I'll probably, you know, dollar cost average a lot of money in, into it for, you know, those who aren't familiar. It's like if I see a stock, you know, that I, that I like and I want to put $50,000 into it, I'll put, you know, 5000 into it uh, this Monday. I'll put 5000 into it next Monday. Sure, if, there's a ma- if it gets beat up out of nowhere uh-huh. for, just because the market went down, I'm, I'm going to throw some money in. Got it. But yeah. um, I don't know. I don't follow a, a specific percentile this percentile that I'm a believer. If you've heard us on the show that when you are younger and you have good income coming in, you have to take risks. Mm-hmm. When we get older, we can pull back right now. We have to take risks. Um, so that, that, that's kind of that's kind of how I do it. How do you how do you identify with like taking risks? Like what what do you consider a risk? I guess in the stock market today, uh, a risk would be having one position take up more than twenty five percent of your portfolio. Got it. So just de diversifying yourself essentially. Correct. Yeah. Right. Correct. Right, right. Correct. Okay. Got it. No, that that makes sense. Have you had uh, have you had any, any big winners through all this COVID time yeah. frame? Uh, I mean, yeah. Um, I, I would say the the bit the biggest and the fastest have been. Um, I, I I would say like, man, I got in uh, DraftKings right when okay. they IP, when, when they IPO'd. I don't yep. know. I think they're probably up over a hundred percent. I I got in. Um, I have, I'm, I'm so long. I've talked about it on Shopify and Shopify. I got in originally, I think around $160. Oh, damn. Um, that's about, I think 725. I, I've sold somewhere in between, but, um, I'm, I'm, I'm a big, uh, I'm a big believer in like snap and, and, and Pinterest. Um, I've done well on those and, um, yeah, man. I mean, there's certain stocks that I don't trade. I, I was trading, the airlines. I trade some of the uh, casino stocks, but I'm longer on specific technology stocks. Yeah. Yeah. That's how I am too. I feel like, you know, like the Amazons, Google, Facebook, a lot of the tech stocks, I almost feel like it's at the point where you could just keep putting money in consistently and just don't think about it today. I agree. And hold on to it for a long ass time, you know? Yeah. And I I think the biggest potential yield is like, um, you know, I, I I remember, I don't I don't know if you were investing around the time when, you know, Facebook was a hard 22 to $27 for like, you know, two years post IPO. And um, everyone was like, dude, you're an idiot to buy Facebook. They don't know how to monetize. And like, I'm watch, I watched that whole process. And then once they showed, they, they knew how to make mobile ad revenue, like Google knew how to make desk, desktop ad revenue through Google AdWords. Then they, boom, they exploded. Um, I, I think, you know, if you're looking at something with major upside, I, I still think it, it may be a, a year, but I, I think Snap has the most upside. Snap can go from 20 to 40, right? I don't think you're going to see Amazon go from 2,600 to 5,200. I think right. Amazon is just a fucking safe bet because it's a beast. I own a lot of it. I love it. But I think, you know, could, could, what stock could legitimately double in, in that tech world? Uh, Snap, for sure. Yeah. Oh, for sure. What, what, why are you so bullish on snap? Just curious. 
I'm bullish on Snap because I believe that um, people who are, uh, let's say, fuck, man, 22, 24 and under, it's what they use to communicate. Like, I don't use it to communicate, but I pay attention to what other, you know, they don't get hit with fees for texting. It's just kind of how they grew up. So those people have not had the time to mature into career roles. But in a couple of years, those people are going to be older. That's their habit. They're going to keep using it. It's more geared towards young people than other platforms. So you're going to continue to add young people. And then when you've had this group of, uh, let's say, 22-year-olds who are then 25-year-olds who then could start making uh, purchasing decisions for companies because they're professionals, they're, they're going to go where they understand. And I think right. the, the, the next generation understands that platform better. Okay. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Are you, uh, are you on, I know you're not a huge social media guy, but I think it's interesting that you're, you're paying attention to other people. I think people can, I think people can use that as advice in anything with investing. I always try to like, just talk to like my wife or like her friends and like understand like what they're doing and what they're selling. Even if you're not invest or you're not like super interested in something, I think that doesn't mean, you know, it's not a good investment opportunity, for example. And that's something I think a lot of people kind of get, I know a lot of people on here, especially listeners today that I've talked to, um, a lot of them are newer. So I think a good, another good question for you to kind of spin off of that is like, sure. what advice do you have for someone younger who just wants to get started in investing? Do you have any tips or platforms yeah. or anything that you would suggest just to jump in and go? Um, I think, I think, uh, Robin Hood's a great platform. Um, I think, uh, there's a lot of easy to understand education, the way they lay it out. It's very easy to understand. I think you need to, um, put some money in, uh, let, let, let's say if you want to put in $5,000, put in $500 or a thousand dollars and you need to fucking research this stuff on a daily basis. You need to feel the market. And, and what I mean by feel the market is you need to be a part of days, you know, with your money in there, not all your money in there, just a, just a portion so you can get used to it. You need to feel when it's like, dude, why the fuck is the market getting beat up today? Like, why is every stock, right? If every stock's getting beat up, it doesn't have to do with the company, right? right? It has to do with the powers that be. It has to be, it has to do with the narrative that's out there. And the people that are pushing that narrative are the ones who control billions and billions of dollars. Well, you could either understand the fact that when everything's red, that scares people because people don't like to lose money. And when they see red, they, oh my God, my, my portfolio is down. Well, the, the, the powers that be want you to sell. They want you to sell so they can get in that position at a lower price. Like you have to, you have to feel and you have to go through that and you need to be like, oh, I'm not going to get faked out this time. Fuck right. that. It's down 11% today. I'm buying. I'm yeah. not selling. Like, like fucking AT&T is not going out of business anytime soon. And it's down 12% today. Um, I'm buying, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But, but when your emotions see everyone has a different risk tolerance, your emotions get highly involved when your money, when your portfolio should be 1500 bucks and it's at 620. Yeah. You feel like, Oh my, you have to release your emotion. You have to be objective. And you have to understand how the market moves. The market moves in a manipulative way. So you could either fight the current and get destroyed. You know, if you fight nature, you're going to get fucking run over. Or you, you, can, you can play it. You can play it. 
but you have to understand what's going on and you'll never understand it if you don't feel it uh, and, and let go of your emotions. Right. So if you're basically just kind of summarize some of that, if you're, you know, someone who's never invested and you want to do like, you know, those simulators are like fake investing. It, it, that's not going to, you're not going to feel the same thing. Yeah. Fuck the and, fake. Investing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, it, you're like, and that's the good thing about Robinhood. I talk about Robinhood all the time. Um, and they have even, I don't know if you've seen, they have a new feature called partial shares, which, so you can buy, you know, you can throw $5 in Amazon and then you'll get, you know, 0. 0.001 shares or whatever. Sure. Um, so that way, even if you're someone who doesn't have enough to cover one, you know, one share of a expensive stock, you could still get in and create a diversified portfolio, which is awesome. That's a great idea because at the end of the day, it's like, okay, you buy a partial share of Amazon. Well, that partial share and your money going in is going to cause you, or at least should cause you to read daily about Amazon, what it's doing, why it's doing it, what's on the horizon, what to look forward to, what is their earnings date? What are people project? Like just all, all this stuff that you'll only get acquainted with uh, if you put your money into the market. You know? 100%. Yeah. I doesn't say, and I always tell people, um, I've felt, I always use the Warren Buffett quote. It's, it's more important to, it's a time in the market is more important than timing the market. And so if you're someone who just consistently, it doesn't matter how much it is. If you're someone who gets a paycheck every two weeks and you can throw a hundred bucks into the market every two weeks and treat it like, a, like especially on Robinhood because the liquidity and getting the money back is so quick. You can almost treat it as like a, a, a second savings account if you want to. Um, it's just the consistency with anything else, right? It's like just the consistency Dude. of putting money in, testing it, investing it to your point, following the news. Like that's something that a lot of my friends that have really gotten into it from listening to this recently. Um, they're like, yeah, I just feel like it's all I do. I'm just like always looking at the news about these companies I'm invested in and you feel like you're a part of it. I'm like, yeah, that's the, that's kind of the whole point. Right. Exactly. And then, and then when they win, you win and it's, it's exciting. You're part of the economy. In a bigger yeah. Sense. You're part of the economy. And it's uh, a lot of people think speculating, AKA buying individual equities or stocks is like gambling but the difference is you know for people who view it that way when you gamble like if you bet on a baseball game when the game's over you either won your money or you, or you lost your money well if you buy a stock and it gets beat up you didn't lose unless you sell right. so if so so it, it's not like that you just have to have some brass balls sometimes and you have to weather storms uh the market's cyclical period. It goes up, it goes down, but historically it continually rises. Right. Yeah. Over time. And that's what I always say too, is, uh, you know, if you look at the averages over the years, as long as you're not someone who re quickly reacts to bad news and just stay in, keep moving your money around and, and really just keep adding money to it, you're going to put yourself in a good place over time. Are you speaking of taking risk? I would say like the, the flip side of risk, and I'm curious your stance here. Are you someone who is only looking for like growth stocks or are you are you involved in any like um do you have like anything on your portfolio that's focused on dividends at all like or just no. That, no i'm too i'm too i'm too young for dividends listen listen it's like uh dividends i again this goes to risk tolerance right and and, and i respect everybody's risk risk tolerance um but dividend stocks are severely slow growth and that's why they pay a dividend you know, but um, if you look at what a dividend is, you know, it, it's just paying you something that will, if you choose, go, go back into the market and get reinvested. Well, if you have a stock, you know, that increases by 
7%, you know, like, 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 okay, that's growth of your portfolio. That's essentially being invested back in the market because you're not liquidating it. Yeah. So I'm, I'm not really interested in dividend stocks. Listen, I have, uh, I have money in mutual funds and that money, I don't, I, I have someone manage it. I don't manage it. The, the stocks yeah. I, ma- I manage, I'm, I'm not going for, you know, uh, dividends. I, I'm going for things that I identify as, you know, what, what's, what's next, what's on the come up and do I win all the time? No, but, I, but, but, but I win more than I lose. And that, that's the trick to this game, dude. Yeah. Right. Right. Okay. So that's interesting. So you, you kind of hire someone out to manage your mutual funds and then the money you're investing, that's like your, your growth. That's like your growth stocks you're looking for. Yeah. That's, that, that, that's my aggressive. Um, yeah, that, 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 those are my aggressive funds. So, you know, the way I look at mutual funds is, um, you know, you're going to get your 8% a year. Um, but it's money that I forget that I have. Right. So it's just like, okay, take it. It's over here. But as time has gone on and, um, you know, I've dealt with, uh, financial, uh, crashes in the market. I mean, the, the return, the return is, is, is much higher when you manage your own shit. Now, now I'll, I'll preface that or put an asterisk by it. You have to understand and research like we just talked about. But if you do that stuff, the market's not that hard to figure out. You just have to stay the course. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And right. so many yeah. people, get, they get wiggly. Oh, yeah. Especially like, I mean, you think about like, I think a lot of people that are newer that have, for some reason, I feel like COVID and the way the market collapsed got a lot of new people in, especially I was reading some articles today on just like how many Robinhood new users have popped up over the last three months. Sure. And these people are all jumping in and trading when the market's been one of the hottest periods in the last few years, really, if you think Correct. about the post dip. Um, and then yesterday it was just, to me, it's funny, but it's funny to see these people who, you know, uh, it was the first probably real test they've had as an investor to see like sure. what you got, you know what I mean? Um, right. that it's not going to be, you know, green and off to the races every single day as an investor, uh, yesterday no. was the first, you know, not at all. Especially if you've been in it for a while, you know, dude, I mean, yeah, that's what I tell everybody. It's like, listen, if you're managing your portfolio, like if you are returning, and I don't mean one year, I don't mean two years. I'm talking about over an extended period of time. If you are getting a 20% return on your portfolio, you're a fucking boss. Like that is fucking good. If you are getting a 25% return on your portfolio every year, you need to be a hedge fund manager. Like, like those are gold standard people. So, so people see the market now and they look at fuck, fuck your return. Fuck what you've done in four months. I'm talking about like over time. If you can return, if you can return 15% on your money every year, you know what the fuck you're doing. Yeah. You know? So the problem is people get in, they're like, Oh dude, I'm up this much. Okay, great. The market, it has roared. It's ripped and roared. Dude, it goes down, it goes up, you know, let, 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 let's, let's look at a five-year snapshot. hundred percent. Do you, just from your perspective, do you think where we're at is the market, I guess, is it overinflated right now? Do you think there's like more of this COVID to come? I mean, obviously with all of the horrible George Floyd in the news, all that stuff that's going on, I think it's kind of covered up a lot of what's going on with COVID recently. 
Um, yeah. So I'm curious what your thoughts are on, on just kind of like what the next, really at the end of the rest, the rest of this year looks like. So it's, uh, we're going to have to pay the price because we're at a 13.2% uh, unemployment rate, even though that's an Im improvement, you know, from what it was. 13.2% unemployment is outside of last month. That's the highest I've ever seen in, in my lifetime. Yeah. So, so the market right now has yet to address the economic severe recession that we're going into. Um, that's just a fact. So I'm, I'm cautious. I'm, I'm, I'm cautious right now. And that's why, that's why I talked about right when we got on about being agile because um, when you pump $10 trillion of liquidity into the market, right, you have to think about inflation because right. all, all of our money isn't worth what it was when you put $10 trillion from the federal government. So it's like, that's the thing about the market. Sometimes you need to, you need to take your gains and pull them the fuck off the table. But then everyone says, you know, it's like, oh, I would have made this much more. And, and, and that's why I, I, I always say, you know, nobody ever got hurt taking a profit. Nobody yeah, that's a good <laughs> got hurt taking a profit. So listen, keep playing. But I'm telling you, the the the, the financial, um, the, the like the financial principles, which which are what they are, um, tell us that this recession and this uh, ten trillion dollars that's been pumped in, we are going to pay for that. When the geniuses know that, I don't know that. When yeah. I don't, I don't know. So be be aware if you have an absurd gain you know if you're up 50 percent in a month on something fucking take take some profits dude you know what i'm saying so yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah i know i was gonna say i i had one last week uh have you heard of nicola yet oh yeah oh okay. yeah yeah so i had i had invested in them last friday and then woke up monday and it was up 120 what was it 115 percent oh yeah so and now yeah. it came down yeah you know so oh yeah yeah. So there's, yeah, to your point, there's a lot of those. I feel like I've never, I've been investing consistently since, yeah, like 2012, 2013. I've okay. just never seen some of these, these days for the entire index that's swinging like yesterday, <laughs> almost 6%. I'm like, what I the know. fuck? Yeah. Well, yeah, Nicola so is a great example. Cause like I, I was watching CNBC when they were talking about that and they fucking, they brought in the CEO of Ford afterward and, <laughs> and this company that has never built a truck had a larger market cap, I think it was 29 yeah. billion, than Ford. Ford's, right. Ford's market cap was 28 billion. Nikola was uh, 29 billion. So if you don't look at that and say, okay, uh, if I did get in, I probably should sell my shit because right now I'm buying a story. And if right. I've profited on a story, I need to take my, my gains, man. And get out. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. Cause um that's an interesting one. Cause I, I was looking too. I mean, they don't have they don't even have a factory yet. Dude. Like, <laughs> they have drawings. Yeah. Okay. Right. 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 Yeah. Too funny. Too funny. Well, that's that's interesting. I think um there's gonna be a lot to learn over the next six months. And I think for me, it's it's been helpful to even just to have this podcast and talk to people like you. Um and it, it, you know, it's, it's a lot of reflection, I think, after COVID's, you know, kind of behind us on, you know, a lot of lessons learned on, you know, things that can help all of us, you know, through investing in the future. Yeah. Are you, um, are you thinking, 
as far as like, we started to talk about this a lot today in the episode, this episode, but like starting new businesses, are you, are you being more hesitant and a little more conservative when it comes to like being hold, holding cash, I guess, versus starting anything new with everything going on? I'm, I'm very curious if people like you who, you know, own a few businesses, like what sort sure. of strategies are like in this interim where like, we just really don't know what the fuck the next six months are going to look like. Yeah. So I think, um, I think there's probably going to be some amazing opportunities, uh, in real estate, because not only are you seeing, uh, you know, people go out of business everywhere, but you know, that trickles down to people not being able to pay their mortgage, right. uh, which trickles down to home prices dropping and, and things like that. So I got, I have my eye on, on real estate because there's always a domino effect nobody knows how fast it's going to happen. But when you see businesses gone, that means jobs are gone. That means people who used to work there are going to have trouble paying for their rent and all, all these other things. So I think there's going to be some very, very interesting uh, real estate based opportunities. Me right now, I'm not deploying uh, any uh, of my, of, of my basically cash supply, if you will, I'm keeping it there because I don't think the, the, the markets have grabbed uh, this recession yet. And I don't think businesses have really felt it yet. I could, I could be wrong, but looking at a 13.2% unemployment number, that is a monster fucking number. Right. So. Yeah. I was going to say there's the unemployment numbers. I mean, I work in downtown Chicago and I've been home since March. We're now expected to stay home minimally until Labor Day. And then a lot of the, a lot of the people I, you know, am neighbors with or friends with that, that work in the city. I mean, there are a lot of people now are expecting us to be home if you're working in an office setting until potentially next summer, which if that's true, I always think about like, there's so many things. I mean, even just Chicago, for example, like how many different businesses was I, were, you know, was it where I normally was spending money? Exactly. I'm Ex not now. Right. And to your point, the, co like, the commute, the lunch, oh, the gas yeah. station, grab your fucking energy drink, the, all these, these things, all th this mass migration away from work, the workplace and, and you're in your home, um, man, it, it, it's going to take out a huge amount of businesses. It's just, just uh, you can't deny that. Yeah, no, not at all. I mean, to your point, yeah, yeah like the coffee spot I always hit before I got on the train. Um, yeah, I mean, lunch is just, I mean, it's endless things. So it, to me, it's funny. It, it seems like such an opera. I don't hear a lot of people talking about this. It's just ironic that we're talking today and you, you have such a, a deep understanding of it, but it seems like such a hot time to even start e-commerce platforms, like whatever it is online. It just seems like, yes, it's the hot, it's the time. And like, to me, that's like, could be the biggest takeaway from all of this is like, if you didn't start whatever your business is or the business you want online, like this was the time to do it. And, and and you're exactly right. And that's why you always hear me talk about Shopify, because to me, they are e-commerce, e right? And every, everybody is, is realizing what you just said. And um, so you're absolutely right. Uh, now is the time to go online. People are, uh, a percentage of people are spooked by spending money in physical places like they used to. So that money is going to go and be spent online. It's just a fact. A fact. I'm a hundred percent with you. Yeah. Um, awesome. Well, I just have a couple, a last couple questions. We've been rolling for an hour. So I want to be cognizant of, you know, your time and everything too. Sure. Um, 
you being an entrepreneur, one of the things that I, I like to ask entrepreneurs on here is this is a really tactical question, but do you have any, you know, tools or things you use? Like, what do you use on a daily basis to stay productive and focused on all the different things you're managing? So what I, what I use is just, uh, is, is just habit and, 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 it, and it's, it, it's boring, uh, to most, but it is, it is such a, a disciplined habit-based day where it doesn't matter if one of my friends is having a party or this or that my, my business and uh, businesses and my interests and what they need, they need me to go to bed by 1030, right? They need me to wake up by seven. They need me to exercise and be done by 9.30 or 10 o'clock. And then they, they need me to aggressively use from, you know, 10 to 7 p.m. to destroy my, they need that from me. I, I am like, I am so regimented. Like anyone who knows me, they can, they can tell you what I'll be doing at, at a certain time. So I think what you need is you need that structure. You cannot, you can't afford to go to your friend's party on Thursday, sleep in late because there's too many things depending on you. You need to have a semi obsessive, boring to most, but to me, it's not a schedule that needs you in places and you understand it and you don't bitch about it. You accept it. Got it. No, I love that. So instead of getting focused on a app or a notebook strategy used to keep track, it's really just a legitimate religious almost schedule for you exactly that does not bend or break for anything but maybe christmas yeah okay got it love it that's, that's something I've, i'm seeing as a uh, consistent thing as i talk to entrepreneurs is kind of like this um what's the right word it's really like a, a focus on autonomy too it's like you you control your schedule i think the more you can control your time and it sounds like you control all of it Probably the most Absolutely. successful you can be. Yeah. And, and you have to stop. You have to stop feeling guilty about um, not giving others your time. So we all have friends. We all have family that call us. And I think it's natural to feel guilty. Oh, I got to call you back. Like, no, dude, you're on, you're taking care of your business. If you let up, like, if there's one thing that will distract you and, and take away your ability to be successful, it's you allowing others to take your eye off the ball because you feel bad because you think you owe them your fucking time. You don't owe them shit. You owe them respect, man. Take care of your business. Talk to them when you have time. hundred percent. I love that one. Yeah. Cause that's something I, you know, honestly through my career I've had to like really work on is just like that. Yeah. I'm, I'm one of those people that always feel bad to your exact point. If I'm not getting back to you quick enough. And then I, okay. over the, probably the last year or so I've tried to be really diligent on like, I need to get done with, you know, X, Y, and Z, no matter what today, after that, I can deal with other things if I have time. So to your point, I think that's probably right. key, no matter what you do. Um, do you, you obviously have had, a, you know, you're in, you, you've started a lot of businesses. Uh, you're an investor. Do you have, are you like a book reader at all? Do you like, is there any books you would recommend anyone who, you know, either wants to start a business or wants to get into investing or, you know, or just in general, like a favorite book that you would, would recommend to anyone? Yeah, I, I'm. I have a um, an extreme 
outlook probably more extreme than, than most and anyone who's heard my other podcast i'll i i treat um the art of war let like like uh like it's a bible and anyone who doesn't know what the art of war is yeah i, I do read new books here and there but i find myself going back to that constantly like a very religious person will go back to the bible because it is all about strategy mental strategy preparation the battlefield aka you and your competitors and these are ethics and morals and thoughts that were you know bred uh, and written down a thousand years ago that are so so uh, accurate and on point today so I really just I, I, I use that as almost a, a study a study guide to just keep my mind sharp got it love that okay awesome the art of war um sun tzu s-u-n-t-z-u he was a he was the best uh feudal uh he was he was the best general in feudal japan he basically his whole strategy was winning every battle before it even started and, and he did that oh wow okay got it yeah i haven't read that but i'll definitely add that to my list of the next thing to get hit up oh yeah um that's really my last two questions. Are you, what's a good way for people to, you know, follow you, get a hold of you? How do you usually do that? Cause I know you're not a huge social media guy. Yeah. I mean, I have an Instagram account. It's uh, just my name at John Fosco, F-O-S-C-O. I don't really like to um, post much. I don't comment much. I'll, I'll, I'll check, you know, I'll check it, but I'm, I, I, I'm a believer um, in that social media is great for business. It's a great marketing tool. It's phenomenal. But for, for, for personal life, I think it's a experiment that we have not seen, uh, the, the full effects of, and I, I, I personally believe it's uh, very dangerous for, for the human mind because it puts you into a fake world, um, that rewards you based on this fucked up reward system, uh, that's ego based. So I, kind of, I kind of steer clear of that, but if you really, uh, want to reach out, you can reach out to my, my Instagram. Got it. Okay. So you got a strong, you got a strong, uh, mentality on, on just on social media in general. I, I, it's funny. I, I haven't never said that out loud, but I honestly feel a very similar way. Well, do I mean, why do we, why do we do things on, so why do people do things on social media? Do, Oh, oh, how many likes do I have? How many views? It's, it's this ego reward system. That's all fake. These are people you don't know, but you're, you're, you're putting your self-worth into the number of likes you get and views, like how, how fucking weak are you of a fucking person? And, <laughs> so and, and you're willing to put on a fucking clown hat and mask and dance around. So you get a couple fucking more views, bro, yeah. grow the, grow the fuck up. Right. Right. And then you, uh, at the end of the day, you look at how much time you spent just scrolling. I think that's good. I think over time we'll learn that that was more yeah. instrumental than we could have imagined. Exactly. You want to find out how to be, uh, uh, not successful scroll. scroll. <laughs> yeah. yeah. John Fosco said it here first. Stop yeah. scrolling. Stop fucking uh, scrolling. Um, so thank you so much. I uh, yeah. I was I, I was going to show I got my max effort amino recovery here. Love this oh, yeah. stuff. It's Very my good. favorite. Yeah, absolutely. Fantastic. Had to make sure I threw that on here. So thank you. Um, absolutely. Um, Thank you so much for taking the time. As you said, you're yeah. a busy guy. You have a you know a very regiment schedule. So I appreciate you you know spending the hour here on Simply Finance. It was super helpful, and I'm hope I'm sure I hope that added value for you. I'm sure you'll this adds absolutely value for my listeners. So I can't thank you enough. And uh, next time you're in Chicago, let me know. We should meet up for a coffee, a drink, something. I'd like to meet you in for, person. For, yeah, absolutely. I, I appreciate it, Shane. And uh, keep doing your thing, man. Uh, you, you got a you got a great little uh, show going on that I'm sure is uh, growing fast. So. Uh, 
good, good shit. I appreciate the conversation and I'm sure we will uh, talk soon. Yeah, let's do it again, John. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much. All right, buddy. Have a good awesome, day. Awesome, man. You too. See ya. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thanks for listening, everybody, to today's episode. I just wanted to quickly get on here and remind you of a few things. Number one, there are two links in the show notes. The first one is to the COVID Rebound Stock Market Tracker. That is a place where I am keeping track of all of the companies that I want to invest in post-COVID dip, as well as all of my current thoughts on the market. This is also where you'll find tabs that walk through a lot of the examples of the math behind the concepts that I talk about on the podcast. Secondly, there's a link to Robinhood. Robinhood is the investment platform that I personally use. They are not a sponsor of the podcast yet. And that is a great place for you to start your investing journey if you haven't already. And even if you have, I would suggest taking a look at Robinhood. Uh, It's zero commission fees. There's no fees at all to start or to trade. Uh, and by using the link, you will receive a free stock. And lastly, just want to remind you guys, if you enjoyed the podcast, I can't thank you enough uh, for listening. But w- what I would really, really, really need and would love your help with is to uh, smash that subscribe button, smash that like button, and please leave a review. It helps a lot for the growth of this podcast and this platform. Thank you so much again, and I hope you guys have a fantastic day.